Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. Okay, what's the first brand you remember making an impact on you as a young girl? Well, you're going to think that I'm making this up, but Girl Scout cookies. I loved like the purpose behind it too. And I love that I was able to go do something that gave some, I was solving, I was giving people something that made them happy and that they needed. And at the same time, I was like earning money for the troop. It was a magical combination, right? I always say this growth, right? How do you drive growth for um, yourself, you know, your teammates, right? And your business and the Girl Scout cookies. I was getting something good out of it for myself. I was doing something for the troop, and then I was doing something for the people I was selling the Girl Scout cookie to. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. My guest today on the CMO Podcast is Bethany Quam, the group president of the General Mills Pet Business, which includes the fast-growing brand Blue Buffalo, with a great slogan, love them like family, feed them like family. One of General Mills' fastest-growing categories is pet, up 25% in the most recent quarter. General Mills' pet business is anchored by Blue Buffalo, which General Mills purchased in 2018 from its founders. Bethany is nearly a 30-year veteran of General Mills, but she has led, in her words, five careers within the same company. She graduated from Indiana University with an accounting degree, which she learned was not a great fit for a self-described extreme extrovert. Bethany also believes you grow the most when you are the most uncomfortable. So here goes, this is my not-so-uncomfortable conversation with Bethany Quam. Bethany, welcome to the CMO Podcast. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Oh, I hope to say um, every single day. Um, but the, last, the first thing, uh, last weekend, I visited my freshman daughter in college, my first parents' weekend ever. Um, and so, um, just last weekend for the first time, I got to be a parent of a freshman in college. What was that like? It was amazing. Um, it was amazing. She, um, is 20 hours from home. Uh, she went off to, um, Boston and she, it's so fun to see them, uh, flourish in their new environment. Um, you prepare them. And then I always say you go from hundred to a zero overnight. So for 18 years, I've kind of always known where she is a little bit and what she's doing. And then all of a sudden you drop them off and you fly home and off they go. So it was amazing to see her, um, just in her world. Uh, it's been a few years since I've done that, but it's a very emotional experience. And then you come home and the d- dynamic at home is so different, especially if you have a child or two still at home, that it all changes. So I just found that adjustment 
to be, uh, you know, emotional, challenging, and just a, kind of a different life. For sure. But exciting, right? Um, for sure. Now, this concept of doing something for the first time, talk about that because I know I've heard you address this before. I know this is a very important concept for you in your life. Could you speak about that a bit? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that um, at 38 years old, I read a book called um, Younger Next Year. Um, it was not a business book. If you read that book, um, I think the tagline says how to live strong, fit, and sexy well into your 80s. Um, and as I read it, it was this whole concept of when you're young, you know, growth is just natural. But there's a point when that isn't just natural um, anymore and that you have to do something. And this was very much about both your mind and your physical being. Um after I read the book, I kind of started to see this everywhere. So I started to see it in communities. You know, how come some communities flourish and some communities don't? I started to see it um, in businesses, right? You know, how come some businesses um, go away, right? And how come some businesses create? And so this concept of growth for me is so much about Everything isn't growth or decay, your mind, your body, your business. And if you want to stay in growth, you have to do something. And that's that whole, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Because um, we all know when we do something for the first time, you got the kind of a pit in your stomach or your exercise routine, right? You do some new thing and the next day you wake up and it hurts so bad and you're so sore. Um, and then you keep doing that and it doesn't hurt anymore mm -hmm. because you've adapted. So this concept of doing something for the first time and being a little scared a lot just means a lot to me. Um, and, uh, and how do you think about constantly challenging yourself to try something new? So I want to now move into this fifth chapter of your career, uh, the Blue Buffalo chapter. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the other four chapters a bit later, but I want to go to this. I mean, you've been in the role two years, group president of the of the pet business. Blue Buffalo is your main brand. And I've heard you say in other forums that what gives you energy is to be learning, leading, and making an impact. So I want you to open up with that, Bethany. Yeah. Talk with us about what you are learning at Blue Buffalo, how you are leading, and then where you are making a unique impact in this business. Oh, what a, an incredible learning journey. What an opportunity to work on something that was created by people, you know, the bishops to honor their, you know, their dog blue. Um, and very rarely do you see something that has 18 years of guidance and leadership from people that have seen everything. And so People talk a lot about making sure brands, right, have purpose. Um, this brand is just that that's what it is, is founded out of love them like family, feed them like family. You know, Blue has three bouts with cancer. And so for our listeners who don't aren't familiar with the founding story, it is uh, about the, the dog was named Blue and the dog was ill. And uh, they eventually lost the dog, but they kind of went into the food area and realized that 
there could be so it could be so much better. Yeah, I mean, Blue had three bouts with cancer. Um, you know, cancer is the number one leading cause of um, of death in cats and dogs, and uh, this idea, I mean, that you know, to make the natural best pet food, and again, the passion for pet parents by pet parents, the the passion that we call each other buffs and we're all in the herd and the passion that people have for the pets. And I always say, Jim, the best thing I did in my twenties was marry Jess Quam. The best thing I did in my thirties was have McKenna and Sadie. And the best thing I did in my forties was get my first dog. Right. And that was before Blue Buffalo. Right. I didn't think I, I'd had, a, I'd grown up with a cat and I love cats, but I, I didn't know, think that I wanted a dog. And um, as many people know, you get, uh, young kids who really, really want dog, want a dog. And so we got Teddy Quam um, when they were seven and 10 and they got him for a Christmas morning. He walked out and he's totally a part of our family, you know, as a mom and as a, as a pet owner, like the awesome responsibility you feel for taking care of um, your family members, both, you know, you know, human and furry. So Blue Buffalo, Blue is the dog's name. The buffalo came from what? what was it? What's the origin of the name? Ah, the buffalo comes from this idea of, you know, kind of heads down, making new, making um, new travel out into the world. Um, and just the symbol of, of a buffalo um, and um, how they venture out and... Um, but they also travel as a as a herd mm-hmm. too. So yeah. a lot of good symbolism and um, American history in Buffalo, and that's where it came from. And a little irreverence mm-hmm. too. I don't think many people would have thought to name a pet food Blue Buffalo. So that that's what you're learning. How are you leading? How are, how are you a different mm-hmm. leader in this role versus your other four career paths? Now two years into the job. What have you learned about leadership? Well, I think I learned something about leadership every day. I, I think that leadership is something that you have to learn and study just like you do your business. Um, and I think it's a constant evolution of um, figuring out what is needed now, um, what is you your, your authentic self, too. I think... Um, learning about what is uniquely what you bring uh, versus what, you know, do other people bring and being comfortable with a lot of your job is to actually unleash the herd and unleash the buffs. And so I think specifically in this one has been this constant understanding of what do you, what is you uniquely and deeply a part of Blue Buffalo, at the same time, how are you evolving and changing? So I feel like I'm constantly moving back and forth between, ooh, this is really core to the business, the brand, the the buffs, and that is something that we want to uh, continue forward. Uh, and at the same time saying, ooh, this is where we need to be adjusting and changing because our pet parents are changing. And so I, I feel that tension, I think, more than I have um, in, in other roles 
What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. So I want you to now, I've, I've heard you also speak about when you lead, you think about, do I lead with my head on this issue, with my heart or with my hands? In other words, just jump into action. And I love that thought. I've thought about that a lot in the last week as well as I was preparing. So I have two issues around the head and one issue around the heart I want you to talk about. And the first head issue is this whole area of differentiation and distinctiveness. Now, great brands are highly differentiated, highly distinctive. Your business is on fire, and it was even before the pandemic. You're also in one of the most cluttered categories in packaged goods. And you know this better than me, but think of the brands you're competing with. Royal Canin, Pedigree, Purina One, Purina Pro, Science Diet, Prescription Diet, and about 20 others. So how in the world are you growing and differentiating your brand? Because I've seen the data, you're building out your differentiation as well. How are you doing that in this crazy, competitive, challenging category? I've heard you also talk about brand and business and how are they the same thing, right? And everything Blue Buffalo does starts with the true blue promise, right? Natural, high quality, you know, meat first, you know, no, no, no corn, wheat, soy, no artificials. Um, And so that is still very differentiated. Um, and staying very true to the first part of this, right? Which is always having differentiated natural product. Um, then I think different is this what I call authentic blue master brand. Because we have a clear point of view on what our business is, you know, what our business and our brand is, then we, everything we do is under this authentic Blue Master brand. Our pet parents are ones who would tell us, we ask our pet parents, what does this mean? And it's so breakthrough, high quality, natural ingredients. And so staying very true to what that is. And then where I think we're changing a lot is in this, how do we talk and engage and educate um, with pet parents? And how do we, you know, um, show up uh, in all those moments that matter? Uh, there are very critical moments that matter. I um, mean, for, for pet parents, um, it's a big space. It's a big space that is growing, right? At the core, human truth for us is this simple but powerful idea of love them like family, feed them like family. And so that's how I think we're staying dis- differentiated is, you know, it's not one thing, it's the combination of having differentiated product with a super clear point of view that's all under this authentic blue master brand and then educating um, with our pet parents. And I would say that's where we're, that's where we're learning and testing so much right now. How do you talk about your purpose internally? Do, do you use those words, love them like family? 
feed them like family? All the time, every moment. We talk the same externally as we do internally. You know, we talk about this amazing, simple, love them like family, feed them like family. And, you know, 85% of people say that their pets are a part of their family. Um, And this whole humanization of pets, it's unbelievable. If you go back, you know, when I was growing up, you know, my cat was important, but it was a pet. It wasn't a part of the family. Um, you know, we talked earlier about my daughter just went to college and the way I get her to, you know, respond fast is I send her a, a video of her dog, Teddy, you know, um, talking to her. Um, she wants to talk to Teddy. She wants to see Teddy. That's pretty different. And so that's how, yes. I mean, everything we do is ignited probably one of the best growth and brand stories started by this love them like family, feed them like family. And then I think one of the things we're doing a lot now, Jim, is leaning into both sides of it. We spent a lot of time on the feed them, right? Educating and a lot of, and we're doing a lot more, we're leaning more into the love them. And how do you bring both parts of this to life? How, how do you uh, inculcate that in your culture with every every single associate and employee? And how do you ensure that this is they feel like this is theirs and not someone else's, that they internalize it themselves? Oh. It's, it, it's challenging when you grow fast and you bring in so many people. So you have to be very intentional. Um, I can give you a couple examples of some of the things we do just to be so intentional. Um, we, we do blue university and we talk through what are we about, right? We have, you know, I, I feel like I kind of run the organization on three pieces of paper because I think that's about what you can handle. Right. Mm -hmm. And we always talk with that. That's our, that is just at the top of everything we do. We talk about loving and feeding them like family, inspired by our aspirations to love and feed and treat all pets like family. We're inspired by it. That's what our aspirations are. And so um, start everything with the purpose. Um, we bring in the founders. I, you know, I sat for two hours with Bill and Billy last week in the wonderful sun for the first time I'd seen them live and got to sit outside and two hours of talking with them. They are deeply a part of this still. Um, they're wonderful, wonderful partners. And so you, you bring them in, you bring their videos in, you bring them in live. Um, we had all of our managers together about two weeks ago. And one of the things we've been trying to do, Jim, is making sure that we run it across, not down. Like I think the pandemic has gotten us really good at sales works with sales and marketing works with marketing. Mm -hmm. Cause, but the magic is when you run it all the way across and we're all in service to this purpose. And so we had 160 managers together and we, and we, spend all that time talking about starting with the purpose and what we're trying to do and sharing the videos of why we're doing what we're doing. And so Beautiful. I think that's how we're trying to do it. 
We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. I want to move to the second head issue, and that is your premium brand and you've massively increased your accessibility, right? Your distribution numbers are way up over the past few years. Yet you've kept your distinctiveness and your premiumness. That's hard. A lot of brands fail at that. How have you made this brand so accessible to more people, more pets, more families, and still kept the premiumness? Well, I think it, it always, we talk about being worth it every day. You have to be worth it every day for your, you know, your pet parents. And I think we've done it by this, the strength of Boo Buffalo. I, I do think channel plays are made before the loyalty, right? And the, and the high, high awareness of Boo Buffalo. So Started in 2002, right? 2003 was the first time into um, a store. And then, you know, pushing out in the fall channel. It didn't happen until 2017. So by that time, the the awareness and the and the knowing of the of the brand was really high. And we, in the end, are in service of our pet parents. And our pet parents want to be able to access Blue Buffalo wherever they, they are. And man, was that something we learned during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we're still learning it. People's circuits, are, shopping circuits are so changing. And they want, sometimes they're in stores and now they're, sometimes they're online and sometimes they're, and so I think it's been, you know, first of all, the the patience, I wouldn't underestimate the patience. I think lots of brands are rushed out to places that they're not really ready for. This is a highly considered purchase. And I would say you start with the similarities and, you know, if there's a difference that matters and any business I've been on, right? And how considered the purchase is to decide what you're going to feed your pet who can't talk um, and you can't get feedback. And so you feel this heavy responsibility. Um, I see a lot of similarities with babies, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think it's a highly considered purchase. And so I think just putting a a brand in a channel. And if you don't have, you know, high awareness, if you don't have all this education. Um, so I think that that is what has made it stay. And, and, and the premium nature of it is the strength of the total offer. 
Well, I loved how you said we're in service of pet parents and they're shopping in all kinds of different ways now and we just have to be there for them. And while maintaining, I think your focus on the purpose. And so I think, uh, but it's been a beautiful, it's been a beautiful job you and your team have done over the last several years. Okay. Now I have the heart question and you, you've already sort of gone there. Uh, you're the first general mills leader to run this business after the founders and, and the founder, at least Billy, I know has moved to the role of advisor and you seem to have navigated this well. And I'd like you to to reflect on that a bit for our listeners. So many people move in after a very iconic and experienced leader and take their responsibility. Some people have the opportunity to follow a founder as you have, which is a very special opportunity. So how have you done this? How have you navigated this? What have the lessons been in stepping in as the first leader from the, the, the company that acquired this very special brand? One word, um, just intentionality, listening, listening, mm -hmm. being highly human and authentic, being willing to say, I don't know. Um, but at the same time, being willing to say, I do know. And this one has to. So I can give you a, probably an example. Um, when I... Uh, one of the things that's so special about Blue Buffalo is just, again, the love of the brand by all the buffs and herd, herd swag, Blue Buffalo swag. People love to wear the brand. And, you know, over time, companies have different ways of like, well, how much of this, you know, how much swag can you have? And, you know, all that. Never enough. Right. And I, right. And I'm like, Gosh, if we love the swag, let's, you know, loving the brand, that's not something I'm going to worry about, right? You know, we are going to love the brand and we're going to make it awesome and we're going to celebrate it, right? Um, now I am a part of a large company, so we're going to make sure we follow tax laws and all that kind of stuff on gifting, right? But we are going to love the brand and we're not going to worry about that. One of the things I saw right away, though, is we didn't have what we needed to really make sure that we were protecting the brand online. And there were some things that happened very early days that we weren't protecting the brand the way we should have, that we're going to, that we're going to fix right away. And, and we're, and we're going to get help, right? We, I am part of a large company that knows how to protect brands really well online. And so that's that dichotomy of knowing when like, oh no, no, this is special. And this, we don't change this, we change and we change it fast. And so I think it, it is more conversations too and more why. You know, if you tell people, if I sat with a, a Blue Buffalo team member and I tell them the why, usually that makes a lot of sense, right? But that's why I see intentionality um, and great respect, great respect. Um, and I also think painting the, future. Um, we've spent so much time, which we just think we have so much opportunity to love and feed all these pets like family. And it's a huge category that's growing. And we just think we have such an opportunity. So at the same time, you want to paint the future. Um, you know, um, we just did something with the team that I, we went future back. We closed our eyes. And I asked the team to imagine, imagine 
imagine it's 2030. You're eight years older. You know, your family is, your pets are. And his business is also. And Blue is eight years older. And then I gave him five statements for what I could see for Blue. And some of it seemed really possible and some of it probably impossible. But I think leading, you know, from future back Mm -hmm. has also helped when you think about, well, here's where the founders got us and now we're entrusted to imagine the future. I love that exercise. Is there one that you could share with us that you shared that you thought was really pretty outrageous, but got everyone thinking? Absolutely. Imagine Blue Buffalo is in 19 million households today. Imagine 40 million households loving and feeding and treating their pets like family. That's more than half of, you know, pet owning households. So it seems, and then we said, imagine 10 million one-to-one relationships with our pet parents. What are you most proud of in these past two years? Well, I have to say that I, I got the great opportunity to come into this and I spent the first three months with the founders. And January 1st of 2019, it was mine with, they're with, they're with me, right? They're both, Bill and Billy are both, you know, Brown uh, founders and brand advisors, but they're not operating it, you know, daily. So 10 weeks in, we all went home and we all went into a global pandemic. So 10 weeks. Um, and I say I'm, I'm most proud of, number one, how we've, led through this with safety and care. Um, and that's always the hallmark and the base. We have, you know, you know, the safety of our buffs, the safety of this food that we serve our pet parents with. And so I'm just proud that we were able to lead that at the same time, we've been able to imagine our where we're going. And so this combination of I talk all the time to my team about how do we perform in where we're today? How do we build? And then how do we transform? And so I'm just proud that we've been able to do this in really unprecedented times and how we're caring for each other and the business and then ultimately our pet parents. I want to flash back now. We've been talking about your group president role for for a bit. I want to go back to your other four careers within General Mills. And again, they were in finance, sales, general management, international. And I've heard you say that one principle in your life is that we grow the most when we are the most uncomfortable. So which of those four chapters for you was the most uncomfortable and why? I would say that the international move, I underestimated how much of my leadership and came from intuition, knowing the country I was in. Um, I have to tell you that I was very uncomfortable um, learning French. Um, 
you know, in my mid forties was like pouring water on cement. It was really hard. And I had a hard time figuring out how to meet people where they were at. Um, and I had a wonderful, um, general manager who was leading the French market, right. Which was our largest market. And he said, you're too hung up on trying to learn the language. You can meet people where they're at a different way. You love to cook. You love food. Um, how do you talk with, you know, the French team members about their favorite places, their favorite food, you know, within France. And so he just really took me by the hand and said, let me help you meet people where they're at. And so I found that harder just the, that I thought it was going to be. And I thought, oh, I've run businesses. I, I can do this. And, but I also learned so much there, the power of the, um, I've always believed in diversity, but really the power of you're in a room in Switzerland and there's a hundred people and we got 42 different nationalities and everybody has a different story. And how do you bring those stories? But it was hard because also at the same time, right, you've got two teenage girls and my husband had always um, worked until we went to Switzerland. And so it was a lot of change. I moved a lot of things at one time. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be for someone coming in behind you and making that adjustment? <laughs> Don't underestimate it. On my way over there, someone told me, um, you're going to be about 60% effective for a year. And I thought, not me. I'm, I'm really, I'm efficient. I got, I got this down. So don't underestimate it. Um, be kind, probably to yourself <laughs> as you learn. Um, and uh, this is all about right, doing it together and finding some allies along the way. I never would have made it over there without some wonderful, wonderful colleagues. I had a team of 14 people, right, reporting to me. And, you know, it was only three Americans. Um, those other 11 were really, really kind to me and taught me a lot about their cultures, about how things work. What did you find the biggest difference in working in teams in, in Europe and Switzerland versus the U.S.? I think it takes more time to learn. Um, I, I, again, I just underestimated. I, I love colorful sayings. I love to say things like, you know, our job is to leave the campsite better than you found it. I don't mean anything to people who are working <laughs> yeah. with you in their second, you know, English is their second language. And so I just think, uh, I learned it probably go slow to go fast. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go fast right away. We're going to move to the creator brief to close out this wonderful discussion. Okay. The first question is, why were you so good in second grade at selling Girl Scout cookies? What was it? What was so special about your approach? Oh, so I was a Girl Scout cookie seller in second grade, and they sent me out with go sell your cookies, and then you could win a stuffed horse, right? And so I sold 220 boxes uh, for the stuffed horse. Um, and I think I learned early on that I um, am highly motivated to go after something and have fun along the way. And so I, I, I started talking about the very popular Thin Mint. 
So I just led with my most uh, distinguished mm-hmm. asset, which was my, the very popular Thin Mint. These are all good lessons for your current role, right? <laughs> totally. Do you still have that horse? No, I wish <laughs> I did. I wish I did, but I have uh, many other things that I love now, but I don't. Um, I did have two girls who tried Girl Scout cooking too. Girl Scout cookie selling, and I also was the cookie mom. So it all comes- uh, Comes full circle. It all comes full circle. Okay, what's the most helpful feedback you have ever received? I think that all feedback is a gift, and I really do mean that. And that doesn't mean that all feedback, you should internalize and change everything. I tell my girls the same thing. I say- when grandma gives you some socks for Christmas, the first thing you say to her is, thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for caring enough. Um, and then later we can figure out if it matches our wardrobe. And so I think some of the best feedback I've ever been given, I can remember the moment walking with a boss and I was pretty fired up about something. And he said, I need you to breathe. I need you to calm down and sit down. And because he said it so clear to me about as you get, you know, I was in a pretty good leadership position already. And he was like, I need you to breathe and calm down and sit down. Um, And that situation, he talked to me about how you're building out a band Right. I was leading this team and I was really fired up about not being able to have maybe the person I wanted on this thing. And he was like, you're building a band and your job is to help the lead guitarist play the best lead guitarist, the, the singer, the drum soloist. Right. And you got to be thinking about how you how you do that and how you magically bring that together. So I think this calm down and sit down, but at the same time. You as a leader, how do you bring out the best? And it's been a lot of good feedback. What's the most helpful feedback you have ever given to someone? I think always saying, um, great job because, or that could have been be- better because, because the gift is in the why. And so I, if I can't write because, I won't send you a glib text or an email that says, great job. I think the most helpful people would tell me is that because I tell you why, you know, I tell you that was a great job because you clearly identified what the opportunity was. You then got the team to rally against that. And now we're having great impact. Um, And so I think the great, that's the best feedback. I always talk to the team too about playing the game outside. I, you know, we are trying to win the hearts and minds of our consumers, right? Focus on them. Focus on winning the hearts and mind of your consumers. Be somebody your customers want to work with because you, um, you work with, right? Have, you know, buffs and employees who want to be there. that want to come because they're highly engaged and they know they're making a difference. And our shareholders are going to be magically rewarded. And so I think going that way among your stakeholders. And so I think I'm famous for saying, play the game outside, right? Don't, don't focus too much on just the internal meetings, because in the end, we're in service to those consumers working with our customers. Our employees have to want to be here, be a part of what we're doing. 
and then the shareholders are going to be rewarded. You were raised by a college professor and an English teacher. Did that result in you being a crazy avid reader or not? No. <laughs> no. It resulted in me being a crazy avid learner. My dad is 81 years old. He, you know, is better with YouTube and Wikipedia and TikTok forwarding um, and started golf at 65 and a crazy avid learner. Um, I love podcasts. I, I love shorter articles. Um, my mom is an avid reader. Uh, but nope, not a reader, but a learner. How do you know your dog, Teddy, loves Blue Buffalo? I'm surprised he hasn't been back what I call bum rush in the door. He loves- I've seen him walk by for our listeners. <laughs> there are some sort of frosted doors uh, behind you, and I see, the, I see the shadow go back and forth, which is nice, reassuring. How cool is that, right? I know, very cool. To have your like consumer- Right. Um, a part of what you do um, every every day. Um, so I love it. I know that Teddy loves Boo Buffalo, but I also know Boo Buffalo is good for Teddy. I've seen as, Boo, as, I, as Teddy started to eat Boo Buffalo. Um, when we were in Europe is when General Mills bought Boo Buffalo. So it wasn't there or available. And so when Teddy came back, he started to eat Boo Buffalo. And I've seen just he has, we, he eats the one that's called Blissful Belly and Teddy has a Blissful Belly. And then um, Teddy loves treats um, and he loves this uh, business that we just bought because um, it's a wonderful product. And so I know Teddy loves it and I love it because I know I'm really, truly loving and feeding him like family. I flip over the bag and I read the five ingredients and I'd feel good about that. Well, Bethany, thank you for this fabulous discussion. Congratulations to you and your team for this remarkable brand. Thank you. That was my conversation with Bethany Quam. Three takeaways from this conversation to apply in your business and life. First one, lead from the future back. I loved how Bethany talked about an exercise she did with her team about going eight years out and thinking about that future and then working backwards from that. And in doing that, she really excited the emotions of the team and elicited some really inspiring ideas. Second takeaway, leverage your purpose in everything you do. And if you have a founder nearby, leverage the founder's passion, their knowledge, their commitment, their history. The first thing I asked her about what she's learned in this business, she went to, it's all about the purpose. It's all about the blue buffalo. It's all about the founder's knowledge. Third takeaway, how to give feedback. Bethany never says to someone, that's a great job, or that was not such a great job. She always says, why? So she said, never a compliment without a why, because in the why, there is learning. Bonus takeaway, be intentional in managing your career. Most of you out there are mid-career or early career. Think about what you wanna do, make that clear to the company, and try to find a way to do it. Bethany did that masterfully in her five careers in General Mills. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. 
And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.